Hey neighbors, it's episode four. And today I had the pleasure of having my dear friend Jennifer join me in this studio to record in person with me. I wanted to do a deep dive on the sanatorium in southern British Columbia, which is kind of in my own neighborhood, you'd say. And yeah, just some it's a strange old place with tunnels underneath it. Like, yeah, right up my alley. So actually we started recording this and I like laid out a timeline of the historical points of this place. It's pretty old and lots of weird shit's happened there. But as we started recording, it was like, really, it was just dry as shit reading the timeline. So we just scrapped the timeline, started over and, you know, just kind of went for it from all angles. However, it flowed. We probably missed a lot of the key information, but whatever, hopefully you have fun. If it's intriguing at all to you, then, you know, go look into Tranquil. See if you can find some stuff that we didn't talk about. I mean, it's a really interesting place and it was, it opened in 1907 and it closed in 1984. So yeah, this place is nearly in operation for a hundred years. Lots of stuff went on there. There's almost no record of any of it. And it's super creepy, weird, said to be haunted. So yeah, I thought just like, why not find a good friend to chat with me about it and about history and just, I don't know, the conversation flowed from there and it was a pretty good episode. I hope you enjoy listening today because I sure had fun making this episode. And if you want to know more about Tranquil Sanatorium, um, T-R-A-N-Q-U-I-L-L-E, then I don't know, I can forward you some notes that I made of all the information I gathered. We shared almost none of it on here um, <laughs> because a lot of it's pretty dry, but like uh, the history has been whitewashed and erased of this place. And I'm sure many places like it all over Canada and really all over the world at this time during this Rockefeller campaign type era. So yeah, sit back and chill and listen to us chat. We get into a lot of different topics and talk about some other weird stuff later on. And I hope you enjoy listening today. Thanks for coming for episode four, guys. Hey neighbors, welcome back to the Strange Neighborhood Podcast. I'm Kaylin Gettler, your host. Um, this week I have my friend Jen with me in the studio, and we're gonna talk about this place, Tranquil, this old sanatorium in Kamloops, BC, in Canada. It's said to be one of the most haunted places in Canada. So yeah, we want to like dig into it and chat about it. So yeah, you wanna say hi, Jen? Hi there. <laughs> Um, yeah, so she has been looking into this stuff with me and we both have like a huge interest in 
weird anomalous history and stuff like that like that doesn't make sense and man this one really hits the mark because like you cannot really find good information about this place and you have to piece it together it was a lot of research to put this together and we probably have some stuff wrong but you know what we tried our best with the information we could find it was really scattered <clears throat> so we put it together so this place yeah so I just want to give a little backstory on why I decided to do this episode first. And it was like visiting Kamloops last spring. And so I was researching like historical buildings because I'm like kind of a nerd. And then I found this sanatorium, which I had never heard about. So I really wanted to go see and it didn't work out on that trip and I didn't get to see it. So I was just down there a couple of weeks ago and I said something to my friend who lives in the area about it. And she said, oh, yeah, it's right by my place. We could swing out there and check it out and you could take some photos. So we went and checked it out and man, the place was huge and it was super cool. So of course I was like really intrigued about the history, trying to dig for it and you can't really find much. So yeah. So when you were there, like, can you just go right on to it or because I was watching videos on YouTube and people had to like basically trespass to get on like is it hard to get in there you basically have to trespass yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like so no so there there's um there's a road that goes along between the river and it because it's right on the river but there's like a public road that goes down to like a dog beach at the end of the road and it drives all along the side between the river and the property yeah and then there's like so there's a river on one side and then there's a steep hill up so it's like kind of hard to see. So my friend was just pulling over on the road. Then I'd run up and like hop through a barbed wire fence. But I guess they have a lot of cameras and stuff and they don't like people being there because it's dangerous and stuff. So I just try to keep my distance, be respectful, but like, you know, get a few good shots of the place. It looks terrifying. It was so creepy there. And like, yeah, it was so creepy. But also like, of course it just looks creepy. It's like dilapidated, but it was like, there was like an eerie vibe in there. I don't know. It seemed like this place has like a real history. You could tell. Did you want me to talk about that? Yeah. Podcast with that ghost hunter guy? Um, yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Do you want to start with like a little ghost story? Well, yeah. So while we were like researching for this episode, I was trying to find a podcast I could listen to about it. And then, of course... Our favorite Sam Tripoli had an episode. Was <laughs> the best, and um, and it was a guy from Kamloops who was like a paranormal. Was he like a ghost investigator? Yeah, investigator, yeah. and he said he went to Tranquil, and he was going down into the tunnel, and he said this is the first time in all of his like career as like doing this all the years he's done it that he felt. Like that, he went to open the door and it was pulled so close, so hard shut that like he hit his head against it. And he said he had never been so scared in like his whole life, and that he had been like a crime, like a crime scene like investigator at some point in his life. And he's like, you just get this feeling like that bad things have happened, and like you can just tell. And he's like, I just could not get that feeling off. Uh, and did did you watch that? I don't know if you watched it, but there's like a YouTube video of like the, um, I guess he's like a, a rapper, Tom McDonald, and he like tells a ghost story of 
when he was filming a music video there. No, I did not see that. Oh, he, he said it was the most scared he's ever been in his life. And <clears throat> some like really weird stuff happened to him there. And like anyone who's listening to this should go watch the video about it on YouTube because he's a really good storyteller too. And he tells it like really well. But yeah, I'm sure there's like a lot. Did you, did you hear any other good, like good ghost stories from there? I couldn't really dig up like a good solid one. Well, besides like that guy talking about that and then just like saying how it was like the most terrifying experience. Like, Oh yeah, actually <clears throat> there was like, I, there's like lots of places where I found that they said in the pediatric ward on the, uh, I forget, maybe it was like the, I can't remember some place in the pediatric ward and the, one of the upper floors, they, there that people hear like a woman crying and looking for her baby oh, <laughs> or her yeah. kid or something wailing in the halls, like looking for her lost kid or something. No. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's always like, um, like everyone says there's like whispering and voices and like uh, this one nurse said that she would hear like doors slamming all the time and she was there alone like out of nowhere she would go and there'd be like no door closed anywhere like what was happening there I need to know need and to like know. yeah <clears throat> and you know one of the weirdest things about this place is that it's really unclear what exactly they were doing there like they especially that thing I found where um, they say they have partial records from the place that a nurse saved from a bonfire when the place closed in 58. Why were they burning all the paperwork in a bonfire and why did she have to sneak away with some of the records? What were they doing there? So, so like, it's really hard to find the records of like the patients and stuff. I guess you can find them in Victoria, but you have to go in person and like go to the Royal whatever museum of BC, whatever it is, archives, the Royal, I don't know, figure it out. But yeah, the place in Victoria, BC, where they keep all the archives, the provincial archives. And yeah, so it's like a lot of like the weird stuff is like based in rumors about like suspected bad treatment of people. And but like then so like in 58, that's when it closed from being a tuberculosis place. But like there's people that say that. They, it wasn't just for patients with tuberculosis. They had mentally ill and handicapped people there long before it switched over. There was like a mental um, health ward in one of the buildings where like, <clears throat> so that's like a pretty gray, vague area where like, it, like who was going there and why? And then there was also, there's also accounts of like, um, indigenous kids being taken from residential schools and brought to these sanatoriums when they didn't even have tuberculosis and experimented on with the medical treatments. This is really crazy. Like what happened? So yeah, do you want to get into the history a bit? Yeah. 
Because I think it's really interesting because like we actually, I went to the museum page and I got this like really dry, crappy timeline of how things went on that it didn't really make sense and it didn't really tell you very much. But then we kind of dug before it became the sanatorium in 1907 to see what happened on the land and in the area right there before because we had both had a feeling that like there's something older going on here than when they tell you just how big and like how they cover it up right well and just because the facility is so massive that like i just don't understand they say there's a labyrinth of tunnels underneath the entire property that connects everything all the buildings and like from what we've learned in our other areas of interest about tunnels and yeah. buildings about like reset buildings and how they always have tunnels and in all these like reset cities there's always tunnels connected to it there's always like an underlayer and it's so strange like what was going on like um maybe i'll just read this little part about the grounds and like what they kind of built there. So you get a vague idea of what we're talking about. And then I'll let Jen talk about the very start of the history. <clears throat> um, okay. So this place was more of a tiny city than a facility. It contained over 40 buildings, including a fire hall, a cafeteria, a large scale laundry mat, numerous large dormitories and three hospitals including the old main hospital, the Sage hospital, the Greaves hospital. And it's easy to see that this place was once a veritable city. You can also find a school, their own steam plant, steam plant, <laughs> their own steam plant, a gymnasium, several caretaker buildings, as well as numerous turn of the century, abandoned homes on the property, coupled with their own cemetery and a slew of farm and processing buildings still linked by serviceable roads. All of it comes together to form the tranquil, the old tranquil sanatorium. It's also linked by an extensive tunnel system. Originally named the King Edward Memorial Sanatorium, it is said to have officially opened in 1907. But the details are hazy with lots of conflicting information about the history. Tranquil is said to be one of Canada's most haunted sites. Yeah. So do you want to go into what was going on, like our first glimpse at that area? Yeah. So like in Kamloops, we know that there's like always, well, in all of Canada, like it was indigenous people that were here long before us. So in 1857, it says that a Scotsman with a sailing background named James Houston, I don't think that's very important, but he discovered gold at Tranquil Rivers, um, he sold the gold to Hudson's Bay Company, but a year earlier, the indigenous miners had already alerted the Hudson's Bay Company to this gold. And all the gold that was found was sent to London. Like, why? So the Shuswap First Nations people lived on that land prior to, and they, so this one guy came and found gold, but um, the, the indigenous people had already told the Hudson Bay Company a year prior that there was gold in the area. So we can probably safely assume this guy worked for the Hudson Bay Company, <laughs> I would say. 
Um, and then, so after this, the miners flocked to Tranquil. Many of the original miners were Aboriginal and lived at Tranquil. As early as 1859, there was about five men mining the rivers and the surrounding areas. Like, I don't know. I, like, I'm not, a, I don't know much about mining. So <laughs> I just assume that that's. A small amount, I yeah, guess. Like yeah, like not many, because then by 18, <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> by 1861, there was as many as 150 miners mining the river. So like three years after they that guy found gold, there was 150 people right in that small area mining for gold in that area. And then all these people that had been there mining, this William Fortune, Fortune, I don't know, man. <laughs> he He's rich anyway. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't leave with everybody else who goes down. Or he goes north, yeah. yeah to Caribou. Or and then he just stayed at Tranquil. And he's the one who ended up buying it. Yeah, so like he already worked for the Hudson Bay Company prior to that. The Fortune guy. And he, um, so he showed up. To mine that area right out like with all the Hudson Bay Company guys. And then um he, yeah, he ended up staying in that area when I guess the mining got a little bit tougher and people moved north to the caribou to where maybe there was more of a rush going on at that time, maybe near Quinell and stuff. Hmm. Okay, and then all I said after that was that that village with the indigenous people had been decimated by smallpox in, by 1868. Oh, yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So. Missed a couple of years, though. Um, yeah, but that's, like, pretty crazy. So, like, 18, 1862, that is when it was booming, or that's when everyone left? 1862 was when there was, like, five. Oh, yeah. Or, no. 1868-1859, there was, like, about five people. Oh, yeah. And then 1862, there's, like, that's when it's just full-fledged. Okay, so the Indigenous population in this area had, a, had like, a village on this site where Tranquil is. And they, that Hudson Bay Company fur traders, um
<laughs> I mean, it, it kind of like they shuffled around the area a tiny bit for a bit, but then they settled there and they had a, they ended up with like a orchard where they were sending fruit to Eastern Canada, to England, and like it was winning awards and stuff. And it was like one of the first orchards in the area. Of course it was. Yeah. <laughs> right? And I just want to read this one. I mean, like, where did he say that? Um, let's see. Must be on here. So yeah, there was like, there's some part of this article that I was reading from the Kamloops paper, where William Fortune said he didn't ever have to worry about money again because he was sitting on so much money that he could pay off the national debt with it in gold on that land. Like, come on. So they, so the indigenous population was decimated. The Hudson Bay company, people with allegiance to the Hudson Bay company took over the land and they built like these massive farmhouses and then some do some brothers came along and bought a part of the land off them or the land off them and they moved into Kamloops and these brothers the troop brothers t-r-o-u-p built an 18-room mansion alongside the fortune house and then the property went into foreclosure and the fortunes took it back and moved back from Kamloops after that. So they made some money and they got a mansion and then they started having people with tuberculosis there, I guess. And indigenous miners, right? Well, I think they were all dead from smallpox oh, at yeah. that point, weren't they? I mean, there's still- They were decimated. Yeah. I mean, that village was taken yeah. out, but there was like, there's lots of, I don't know about lots, but there was other indigenous people, Shushwap people in the area, I think. I mean, it's all really vague and like, just like. So all that happened on the land, and then so these two rich MFs so when... got this beauty land and then got to take advantage of it and got to take advantage of all the deals with Hudson Bay Company and like totally profited off that area they stole and exploited <laughs> so when did the government become involved in this again so it ended up belonging to the fortunes and then the coonies owned like the sister property but the main property that had the main buildings like that huge mansion those dudes built and stuff was on the fortune land and then it says in 1899 a site at Tranquil near the city of Kamloops was chosen by Dr. Charles Joseph Fagan, secretary to the Provincial Board of Health and Anti-Tuberculosis Society. So they're the people that started the institute, I guess, to begin with. Um, the government says that they weren't affiliated at the start. And the fact that they have to like reject their affiliation so hard or like put it out there so much makes me think that some fucked up shit was going on there and they don't want to be affiliated with like the early things that went on there wouldn't you say uh, I mean 
I guess. Like, <laughs> the residential schools. Yeah. I mean, there was one just, like, right down the road from this place, basically. Yeah. And it was so huge. And it was definitely a pre-reset building, Red Brick. For sure. Look, it's just so fun. And, like, the fact that there's tunnels under this place, and then there's all these reset what I call like pre-reset buildings in this small town just makes me wonder what was going on before and why there's tunnels under this place. Why is there like an extensive network of tunnels under the sanatorium and why they build this massive small town facility in the middle of like the interior BC and they were building them all over all over the world at this time yeah there was that one in what was it sussex i think i was reading about mm -hmm. and uh it looks quite similar it was built like the exact same year closed the exact same year and named the exact same thing that one right yeah, yeah. and then i was looking up information about king edward Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it was called the King Edward the Seventh Sanatorium. So I guess it was that. Was he the husband of Queen Victoria? Yeah, he became king of. Oh, no, he was the son of Queen Victoria. Okay. I don't know anything about this stuff, man. <laughs> But I know that all of the gold that was found in the region of Tranquil was sent to Queen Victoria in England. They were paying the miners for the gold and then sending it to England. You tell me they didn't wipe out those indigenous people, man. As if they didn't. Something. <laughs> so... Um, and yeah, so they actually opened it officially as the King Edward the Sanatorium in 1907. There's the seventh one to be built in Canada. Yeah. And so like, was there already tunnels then or were the tunnels under the mansion? Because I can only find one little thing where it said, um, that some buildings had been replaced over time. Like old ones had been taken down and new ones went and, and new ones went up. And I was like, what old ones? What? I couldn't find anything about anything. Now it just looks like a huge complex and it's all kind of falling in on itself. It doesn't look like there's anything been demolished. No. Um, Don't you think that's weird? Yeah. I just feel like it's the government trying to <laughs> destroy our indigenous heritage again. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know all the answers and I can't connect all the dots here, but like, they're fucking shitty. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And there's so many parallels with like, obviously other it's just like, illnesses. <laughs> even times I've been, I've driven through Kamloops or been there, like it's just. Like, there's so many reservations and, like, indigenous land surrounding that area. Like, what was, like, really, what was it all before all of this? Like, and, like, why 
Couldn't they just be left? <clears throat> that guy that was like the Minister of Indigenous Affairs said, the point of the Indian Act is to keep Indigenous people on reserves and keep them quiet. There's just so many things that they don't. Like keep them quiet about what? Everything. Everything. And like, I just feel like the aim is to like tear them apart, traumatize them, separate them, silence them. Drug them and give them alcohol. And then like use like um money to do eugenics projects on them and because but why silence. so because they knew to they knew so much that these people wanted to hide from the rest of humanity that's what i think well i just think they had a culture that completely just didn't align with what white people wanted and wasn't based in materialism and essentially just the shit we're fucking dealing with now and uh, yeah, to have like an example in people's face that they didn't have to follow the current model and there was maybe a better way with something that those people didn't want to deal with. They were trying to like control the entire narrative of the next fucking 150 years. So they couldn't benefit monetarily off of the way the indigenous people lived. Yeah, at all. And the indigenous people and the way that they lived didn't require the shit. Anything that they, from them. The shit that they try to pretend that we all need now. Which yeah. is like their fucking medications to the diseases that they created. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's just so fucked. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It and really it's just is. It's fucked that it's like right in our own country, like not even that far from where we are. And so many people will be like, just turn a fucking blind eye to it because they don't. It's too hard for them to grasp the concept that our government literally has traumatized and destroyed an entire culture. I think it's like easy for them to dismiss it because if they don't dismiss it. Yeah. And too, it's like what do you do there's nothing that you can do well i mean i'm not saying there's nothing like like having awareness of it means that you you know have some kind of like an attachment and then you feel like you should be helpful in some way whereas if you just pretend it didn't happen then you, you don't know, have to do anything care <laughs> seems to be the easy way these days that's it's just it's really sad um do, so something else i really want to talk about this place so like okay so it was um it was a sanatorium apparently for tuberculosis i'm doing air quotes because there's so many stories of other kinds of patients there and for whatever was going on there um so that closed in 58 and then after that it um reopened as a mental institute and yeah that that i think but like what about tuberculosis yeah <laughs> <laughs> what happened what happened to it and did they have a war with ukraine and then it disappeared 
Even trying to look up information about tuberculosis just to talk about it on here was like, you can't find anything. Like I was trying to find how it, like what it does to the inside of your body to cause death. Like, cause that's just the kind of thing yeah. I like to look up and know, like, what kind, what does it do to the cells in your body that prevent them from doing their job? What's the biology of tuberculosis is what you mean. Yeah, you can't find any information on it online, apparently. It said, um, said that it basically, like, it's a bacteria that just, like, destroys the tissue of whatever tissue it's near. So with that could be, like, your bone, I guess. Like, it actually said it could be part of your, like, spinal cord. Or, like, any essential, any, essentially any part of your body. And then... It just doesn't work. So wait. Like I just <laughs> so okay, yeah. Because I read something about like some just... kid getting his some indigenous kid get his leg cut open because they thought he had tuberculosis in his leg bone. Does yeah, that make I... sense to you? Like, what is that yeah, about? That's what I was, it was reading. So what is that like? So did he have? Other, did these people have other symptoms or just like a sore leg? Oh yeah, he just had a sore leg for a long time, right? <coughs> And they told him he probably just was like pigeon toed or something. And then they cut him open and it's, he has like this scars like and a this limb. Is, this is literally what it says. Okay, like, it is estimated that up to one third of the world's population may be infected with the tubercule bacillus. Oh, fuck off. Most of these people, however, do not have active TB. Their infection is latent and may remain so for their whole life, life not causing any symptoms. That's like. Until the Omicron comes. <laughs> In a proportion of people, however, the infection becomes active and begins to destroy their tissues of the organ it has invaded. Most commonly, this is the lungs, but TB can can also be extrapulmonary, affecting other parts of the body, including the spine, which is also called POTS disease, the kidneys, the men meninges, which is the membranes covering your brain, and the lymph nodes. In general, the infection progresses slowly. And if you do not receive treatment, roughly one-third of those with active TB die within two years and another third within five years. Like, doesn't really sound like it's really killing people <laughs> off as fast as they... I just want to make three quick points about lung tissue at that time. People were getting hosed in the face with DDT like three times a day. Asbestos, like, and like general living conditions were yeah like, really not all that cleanly. <laughs> um, but like there was lots of like environmental toxins at that time that was like affecting lung tissue. Yeah. <laughs> so then I read this thing that said tuberculosis can be spread by spittum or spittal or like phlegm. You're supposed to like collect all your phlegm in a certain safe place <laughs> or yeah, pasteurized yeah. milk. And I'm like, what the fuck? Pasteurized milk spreads tuberculosis? What the collect, fuck is when I worked in the lab, we would collect those sputum samples for, to test people for like all this. So what is it? Can you tell us what sputum is? It is the grossest. Is it just like phlegm? Like green phlegm? Of all the biological substances that I had to work with, <laughs> which was like all of them shit. 
fucking like every bacteria you could imagine. Tell the people why you did it for a job. I worked in the lab. I was a medical lab assistant, but I worked in microbiology for like two years and virology, like plating specimens and like titrating HIV samples and, you know. Yeah. So, and so tell us about the spoo- sputum. The sputum was sputum. the process. So <laughs> and even when I had to tell people how to collect it, like you're supposed to tell us how it, to collect it <laughs> in the morning. And it's like that gross, like when you have been really sick and you get that, like, it has to come straight, like out of your lungs. It's not like when you cough. Oh, the kind that flies out? Respiratory. Yeah, it comes like from right down and it is looks like I'm on a gag just even thinking about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I guess that was part of like what they do at Tranquil. They made you carry around a piece of like gauze to cover your face all the time. Sound familiar? So you didn't get spitum everywhere or sputum. And then you'd also collect your sputum in a certain like biohazardous waste jar that you keep. And it was the only place you were allowed to put it. And you weren't allowed to put it in the garbage. I think I read this stuff in the brochure because there was like rules. I found this old brochure, brochure and it was the weirdest thing. You also had to apply to go there. And then the average age of a patient there was 25 to 35. And I think like that's prime healthy like specimen years and then they were doing all this research on patients and as if they didn't just open these to research on people and indigenous people and i actually think i read somewhere i can't remember where it was but that the percentage of people in the facility was the smallest percentage was aboriginal people yet they were the highest percentage of people to die from tuberculosis (laughs) So that also makes me have a lot of questions. And apparently you can get it from pasteurized milk. This seems really fishy. Like if you could get it from pasteurized milk, the whole world would have fucking tuberculosis because. Well, maybe we all have that. Oh, sure. (laughs) Uh, You know what? I just can't believe anything they sell me, you know? Um, You know what I thought was crazy? So like. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the tuberculosis thing is crazy, but I want to talk about. Can we um talk about the graveyard? How it got moved or whatever? No, I Did you hear about no, that? Okay, that so let's see. I have a wrote down somewhere. And so, was this place open for boat during both world wars? Yes. And they took on, they took in patients that were soldiers coming back from overseas that had caught tuberculosis overseas. And some of them just didn't have tuberculosis didn't, or didn't end up having it, it says, but they were treated there anyway or something. I'm like, maybe, what? For what? What were they treated for? Maybe tuberculosis <clears throat> was literally just like an illness that was created by your fucking surroundings being so shitty. And, like, just the stress of war and being in the depression and stuff. And, like, having non-proper like, <coughs> diet. Like like how, like, 60% of the population has diabetes or, or pre-diabetes Well, now. and even, too, like, thinking about, like, the Aboriginal population for them to go from the way that they live to being living in this facility even and the food that they would have eaten there would have been, like, I'm just assuming, would have been quite different than what like they would 
beginning as hunters and gatherers. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like going to the cafeteria. Right. So it's like nothing makes any sense. So, so like another thing that I think is crazy to think about is that like a lot of local people say, oh, it's not haunted. That's just like fairy tales to make it seem more interesting. But like there's an estimated... 1,600 people died there. And that's just estimated because the records were destroyed when it was closed. 1,600. And do you know what? When the body, when the, they decided to move the cemetery to expand, whoever didn't claim the bodies of their relatives, um, they dumped them into these two long trenches in the Kamloops Cemetery in the back corner where the poor people were buried and didn't make them any headstones. They dug them up and dumped them in a trench because they were in the way for their <laughs> expansion. So, <coughs> kind of like they did at residential school, dumping all those children into those yeah. holes in the ground. What are you going to call it? The grave? Yeah. I thought that was fucking crazy. Like... <laughs> Uh, There's just so many questions. I know. Um, so let's just look at some other things. Like, you don't have like the most haunted place on earth if people were just like going to this facility and like receiving prime treatment and like just loving their lives. And, That's what they keep making it yeah, sound like. <clears throat> like a summer resort and you sleep on the veranda and blah, blah, blah. But the people that went there were saying like they weren't allowed to get out of bed lots of days because they were supposed to be resting and they would be like napping outside. They had to do all their sleeping outside. They, they were basically like prisoners. Yeah. So let's see. Um, Did you have a thing about like people's uh, accounts there? Yeah, that's what I was kind of looking for here. So <clears throat> um, the CBC did an article about a woman that was taken from residential her residential school and put in a sanatorium when she wasn't even sick and then it was um a bunch of stories about different people that this happened to and how they were these children were experimented on in these <clears throat> hospitals and put there and they didn't even know why they were there and it was completely legal to seize the kids because of the indian act they could just do what they were like property of the, the government Sorry. So I came across a bunch of eyewitness accounts of people um, about like kind of little hauntings and things like that. Um, but yeah, I'll just read a couple of these. So this lady Erin says, visitors claim to see a mother crying for her child on the sixth and eighth floors. Sixth and eighth floors? Wow, these places are huge. On the 6th and 8th floors, while others have reported hearing the voices of kids playing in the children's ward or seeing bright orbs near the main entrance. Likewise, other reports note that the tunnels below are filled with lonely voices and cries. Um, this other person says, my mother was a nurse there beyond 
it being the TB patients, it was also a training hospital for nurses. A lot of nurses going through nursing school started there. The time frame my mom was there as a nurse was around 1949. It was not entirely made up of psych patients. You hear that? They had a psych ward. So it was only supposed to be a tuberculosis tuberculosis sanatorium until 58. But this lady says she was a nurse in 49. And it was not entirely made up of psych patients. There was one psych ward. So don't you think that's strange? It's not supposed to be a psychiatric hospital until much later. A decade or so later. Like there's just no pictures of like patients in there at all. No. Or like things being built. They built so many buildings. There's no pictures of construction. There's no pictures of the foundations with the tunnels or how they made the tunnels or. I seen pictures of the tunnels and it looks like they plastered over doorways all over in it. And some places it looks like they plastered over windows. In the tunnels. So I'm like, why is there like a doorway and some window looking shit in this fucking concrete tunnel? Like, it just seems really weird. It's a good, this is a good episode to lead up to some more mud flood episodes, I think. (laughs) Like, what's really going on here? In the universe, I mean. Okay, so listen to this from this Dave Morgan guy, and he made a sta- he made this comment in 2021. He said, "I did a search for medical records of patients at Tranquil around 1939 and 1941. I did get into the Vancouver Medical Archives, only to be told they have all been destroyed. My search is for any info or medical records for my great grandfather or my grandfather." He was in Tranquil around 1939. Yeah. He died from TB. Oh, yeah. He died from TB in the hospital. They destroyed his records. (laughs) All the records are destroyed. It seems so crazy. This lady says that I've just discovered today that my cousin ended up there. I found him on the voters list in September 1972. Home Tranquil, which I assumed was a small town, but I learned today it was basically a mental institute and people and a tuberculosis asylum. Okay, so listen to this person. Eunice Robinson said, my husband's aunt was a patient of the sanitarium from 1945 to 1947. She was one of the lucky ones and survived the treatment she received and lived to a ripe old age. What? Like. So they deleted all the records and they, <clears throat> here's the part about the bodies. The bodies were reburied in two long trenches in their coffins in the adjoining Old Man Cemetery at 6th and Douglas in Kamloops. That was the northwest corner of the cemetery. This was apparently for the poor and unclaimed persons. So are they still there now? Individual graves are not marked 
and there is no record of who is buried there actually in each spot. The city is planning to build a memorial wall at some point. But for $400, you can put a person's name on a memorial plaque. $400. You'll probably send that money to the Hudson's Bay Company. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Listen to this. Um, So this person is named Lynn. And they said, well, if you want stories from Tranquil, I was born and raised on the grounds. What a place to grow up. So much trouble to get into with tunnels, barns, and greenhouses. Yes, ghosts were reported by staff. Soft music playing. No one could find the source. The tunnels were a small network which joined many of the hospital buildings. Sorry, this guy's writing in broken English. They were cooking and doing laundry for 400 residents. In the center of the facility was a rec hall, which clients and staff, staff's kids could watch a movie on Friday night. Um, he didn't really say that much interesting things, actually. But he's just talking about like all the cool stuff they had. Really. <clears throat> so yeah, this place has like a spooky dark past i also they've um there's been like two ghost hunter shows that have filmed there and they've like i guess they're pretty scary like one guy um i think i watched it was the mtv's fear was filmed there once yeah it's just a really spooky place that's the one that's in sussex yeah, and doesn't it look so similar? Sorry, we're just looking at pictures of the place. <clears throat> doesn't it look like after it's buried underground? Okay, what I want to talk about is why... So, like, I have my theories as to why, but why do you think there's all these sanatoriums and mental asylums that all happen right around the same period of time? And we're like just built up so fast and filled up so fast. I'm asking you why. Oh. Um. <laughs> like, do you have any theories about like that? Because like within like a few years, there was like 40 something sanatoriums built in Canada alone. Like did that, did like. Well, knowing what I know about like. In well, 1930 was like when like cannabis or marijuana was made to be like as bad as heroin, and um, that had a lot to do with our old friend, the pharmaceutical complex, yeah, the Rockefeller medical, which model, yeah. I mean, I don't claim to have any kind of knowing, but I just feel like these places were used to test all this shit. And then, as we'll see, or as I see, have seen and have looked into, like, 
this is where the pharmaceutical company, and I mean, it's not called that at the time, but they come in with these vaccines and try to save the day with all these medications. And then shit just gets crazier from there. It like takes away our natural mm. remedies, which like I believe the indigenous people are like they know how we are supposed to actually be living. Like we are connected to the earth. They know that there's so many things that they know that people who don't benefit from the way they live their life don't want us to know. And probably so much that they used to know that um, they've had scrubbed from their collective memory because of all this trauma and segregation and separation. And yeah, <clears throat> there's probably things that I, I mean, I do think there's a reason that they were, that that guy said, we want them on the reservation. We want them to be quiet. I do think that there are things they knew and they spent a hundred years trying to like beat, beat that wisdom out of them and erase it from our collective memory so yeah. that we only would look to that Rockefeller medical model and <clears throat> the petrochemicals and the petro industry and everything to be like our model of like what's normal and what like we should be as beings on this planet when it's we've just been like domesticated into like <laughs> I don't fucking know what you would call yeah this. it's not our natural state of being that's for sure to be like this yeah and so like <clears throat> I mean like I wouldn't compare each culture's struggle but I do think like <clears throat> each culture has had its uh, how can I put this um, ha had been like break broken away from everyone else and made like each time like a culture of people like Irish or African Americans or orphans or have and each time that the, they've turned the public on these people, they've then they go on to like use them <laughs> for their industry, and then they use that opportunity to inflict trauma on them. And like they're slowly deleting our memory from each like collective part of it. Sort of, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like systematically through time, and that's probably not just their only aim, but. <clears throat> They can really take over if they just come, they can convince us of certain things and it's faster if they can delete parts of what we already knew faster. That's sort of how I feel about it. Yeah. What do you think? Just like the whole, all these facilities, these people were clearly like the government didn't give a shit about them. So like, who fucking knows what they were doing, testing all these medications, quote unquote, that we have now, or whatever, fluoride, whatever it is, like that they, that it's been like beneficial for somebody else, I don't know who, to keep us in this state of 
like constant like disconnect. I want to say like sickness. <clears throat> it's like a disconnect from our natural body and natural state. I feel like. And like now, the more that I look into it, it's like essentially like we are a gen like our nervous system get into that but yeah let's like, get into that i mean like what we pretty much summed up tranquil but i think we're ready to move on to like what did these institutions mean as a whole and like can we step back from this what was going on in canada at that time and look at like the weird anomalous buildings and things like that and put it kind of all together by like stepping back and like <clears throat> so we seen that we looked at this sanatorium and we seen like all the lies and cover up and burnt records and how they said it was just for tuberculosis. But meanwhile, they're having experimenting on natives and um, mentally ill people right from the start. They were training nurses. They were doing medical research. They um, some people were saying they were lucky to leave their alive because of the treatment, not because of tuberculosis. Like, so that was going on in all, I can assume in all of these sanatoriums and I can, and I know for a fact that these sanatoriums were being built all over the new world or built. Yeah. They were being created all over the new world. And at the same time, there was also mental asylums. Like that was the main thing I think in America at the time. I mean, did they have these sanatoriums? Probably too. They probably had them too. Or maybe it was the same where they started as sanatoriums. And then they start. Just think about. Do you think that, that like the things that... they were doing to the civilization at that time created the problem of making people mentally ill from the trauma? So then they it was an easy tra traverse from like tuberculosis sanatorium to mental institute because they had a need for a mental institute when they're trying to turn people from their natural way of being, and it's becoming successful, and we're that disconnected then. So then there's that much more mentally ill people. And then once they, um, all the Aboriginal <clears throat> people were out of the picture and not allowed to talk or locked on the reservation, then they're using children for like slave labor. So these children are like working in these conditions, mining, like what does it say, like 14 or something hours a day in spaces that are so small with breathing conditions. And then they're like, well, why are all these kids so sick? And then they're working on probably toxic textiles. Cause they were like, they'd have, what do they call them? Work school? No. Industrial schools. Yeah. And then they were having like hundreds of kids sitting in gymnasium sewing so then textiles, these, like, probably horrible, for the Hudson Bay company. Horrible conditions. And then they come along with, the cure to these things apparently and then we see that the infection rates actually much worse after these a quote-unquote i'm not even gonna call them the B experimental like experimental prophylactics like that's what they are and then now here we are in 2022 and like we have all these illnesses that like everyone's autism. on pills too uh, like, for mental yeah, everybody like children the autism rates are like through the roof but like people don't even know what real food is 
Did you know that when this place closed, it closed in 1980, well, it's not kind of vague, but 1983 and 84, around there, that a whole bunch of these places closed at the same time, like all of them, and they just sent all these mentally ill people out into society purposefully they just like dropped all care and said you don't need this anymore we don't think there's a need for this you guys should be integrated into society so you should just go and don't you think that's weird and that's like when they were starting to like that's probably because they were they had got all the information they needed for from all the testing and then made all their petrochemical pills to help the mental and then all these things disconnect us from what our true purpose is. Our purpose is not to wake up, eat, go to work, sleep, and do that every day for the rest of our life till we retire. Like, I mean, I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you probably don't think that's your purpose in life. <laughs> you're probably, and if you do, I mean, great, I guess. I mean, you're probably wondering, like, if that's not my purpose, what could it be? And wonder that. That's the best wonder <laughs> ever. <laughs> Go with that. Go into that. Like, the question is just, like, so pregnant with possibility. No. To like, what could I be here for? What is this place? What do you think we're here for? That changes from day to day. What about today? Right today? Yeah, what do you think we're here for? Well, I've been telling myself my purpose here at this specific time right now is to show compassion because that's really hard to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to what's going on and just want to help people and want them to be safe and understand that sometimes you might think people have your best interests at heart when they might not and I mean I don't try to tell people what to do all I said all I've ever said is just wait until there's a little bit more information and now there's a little bit more information and people are still pretending like that information is not here. And <laughs> I don't understand. So I'm trying to have compassion. So I feel like that is my purpose at this specific time. But in the bigger scheme of things, I don't quite know yet. It all <laughs> I'm working on it. Doesn't it feel like it's sort of all building to something like kind of grand, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? I like, like it's following up. All the shit that has been destroying our, like, destroying the indigenous cultures and people and, like, holding us all back from what we're, like, our true potential and, like, the fact that we can literally create whatever we want. We could step outside of their control of us like so easy by just not con like just not just don't just, <laughs> just don't do what they say. Follow us for more tips. Yeah. <laughs> just don't. Just then you're just free. Don't. Then you're free. Yeah. So easy. 
no, but it's like an energy exchange. And so that's the kind of way I approach relationships now in a way, like I think about the energy exchange that goes on and like what, how it makes me feel yeah. and like what I'm feeding into and getting back. So yeah. I don't know. Um, I relate to that. Yeah. I'm at the point. If the energy exchange is not fitting the vibe, you got to cut the energy exchange. <laughs> if you don't like feeling like you're under someone's thumb, just crawl out from under it and like pick, you know, have a, have a grander picture of your life. Put yourself in it where you're not under someone's thumb. We could create anything. We could have any life we want. So to be like holding ourselves back while we pretend like someone else is holding us back all the time is pretty like we literally each one of us has the power to like make a fairy tale fucking life. This is our resistance. I agree. <laughs> Manifesting. I mean, look at these HPC workers back in the day. They just wanted all the gold and they just went out and they got it. <laughs> Hudson Bay, they're the worst. Oh, man. And it's so funny because I remember my grandma's like, like, why is my grandma? My grandma was fucking obsessed with Hudson's. People game. find it so iconic, but I think that's programming. Like, it's like the icon of Canadian heritage. She'd be like in her room. Like with a, we were fur like traders. With her Hudson's Bay blanket on, like so proud of it, like laying in there, like, but like it was like so scratchy and like itching me when I tried to sit on it, like and like woven from was. the blood of the ancestors of yeah. this land. <laughs> My grandma's they're like, fucking ridiculous. That's the programming too, though, Jen. <laughs> Compassion, remember. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes I think like there is a greater purpose to all this. Like, do you think we're like waking up? Do you think humanity, what do you think about the awakening? Uh, I just wish people would stop resisting. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Like as soon as you kind of see the big picture of what's going on, even like, None of us all have the whole picture, but once you see like your little piece of it and what's been going on, you want to just like go around and shake everyone. You're like, well, I'm awake, fucking wake up. I come, I can, I'll show you, I'll show you. But like, it never, literally never works. You cannot wake a single is, person up. Well, the thing for me is like, I've spent so much time on literally changing my, my physical health. Like, to a point that I literally never thought that I would ever be able to get to. Like, I remember however many years ago when I started um, exercising and changing my lifestyle. Like, I was like, I remember I only cared about how much I weighed at the time. But as it went on, um, it just, I can see now how it changed so much more than that like I the thoughts that I used to have and the way that I was and my even like how sick I like I can't even explain I don't even know like the last time I got sick like like where I was like debilitated like in bed and I truly think it's like people are so against marijuana but I honestly believe it is like one of the best medications for your mind and your body 
I've lost over a hundred pounds smoking weed every fucking day. And now my mind has never been more clear and understanding of like things going on around me that I was not even aware of before. And I mean, I'm not saying it's just because of that, but I don't understand. Like I can see for myself just through my own life experience, how powerful you can be to change your physical health alone. And that's through just like one and thing. even through just thoughts. Like, like even if I feel like I'm getting sick, I'm like, I'm not getting sick. My body is strong. My immune system will protect me. It knows what to do when it feels things that shouldn't be there. I'm, I got this. And I know people probably think I'm fucking insane. I don't. <laughs> but I truly think that that's, and like more people, and so many people are so resistant to these things, like changing your life through thinking differently. But literally that's like all it is. The only way. It is the only way. Feeling, thinking, being, like, it's like, the only, you can only control you and that is the like, only way. <laughs> I was fat and useless. So once I changed that thought to. I'm strong and capable. Everything changed. And it's like, not like every day. I like my thoughts were drawn back to these old patterns of conditioning and everything I've thought about myself since I was a kid. Like every day I have to remind myself, but like, that's the whole thing. It's like all your thoughts. Everything is your thoughts. Like, you can control it more than you realize. And I don't know how this has to do with tranquil. At this <laughs> it's okay. Point. We're over tranquil. Okay. <laughs> We're onto the universe now at large. And it's fascinating place. And yeah, I, I totally, like, I totally agree. Like uh, you, I have told you this story before, but like I spent a year promising myself I would only be kind to myself yeah and in that year I didn't realize how unkind until I did that year and each kind thing I did I was sad because it showed me the unkind way I was treating myself before and like yeah man I remember I watched I watched um the secret and I remember the girl was on there and she said I love myself so much now. I could just kiss myself. I'm so in love with myself. And I literally thought she was fucking lying. <laughs> I was like, that bitch is full of shit. And like, I think back to that all the time, that scene. And I'm like, I literally feel like that about myself oh, now. I, love that. I literally c- cannot love myself more. I'm so into Kaylin. I, I remember. <laughs> I was one like, time, yes, we're doing it. One time I, re- I realized how important what you say is too was like I was hanging out with this girl I was golfing actually and I you know like it was probably a couple of years ago when I wasn't as good I mean not that I'm good now but you're a great golfer I've improved come on I've improved (laughs) but I remember I would hit the ball and I'd be like oh fuck you idiot or like say something shitty and she's and she said to me I remember it she goes your mind can't distinguish between like if you're saying it as a joke or if you're saying it for real and she's like so you just shouldn't say it at all and I was like also there's a lot of honesty in jokes yeah it's not like we're fully joking when we talk shit to ourselves (laughs) it's a feeling it's a vibe and I think of that 
I think about it so often that she said that and I'm like, oh, I start thinking about shitty stuff about myself. I'm like, bitch, please. Right. And I used to like wallow for a long time and my wallow time gets like shorter and shorter to like can snap, shift my mindset to something positive. Yeah. It's also a lot easier when you just like stop giving a fuck about what people think and literally and like just don't let fake shit into your life but i think that comes with loving like you have to love yourself first because then you're not looking for validation from those people so you're not worried about what they think of you because you do not need anything from them yeah. you are a gift to them they are a gift to you we're humans you don't owe anyone anything you're not here to please these motherfuckers uh, no i remember i wouldn't even be at the gym sometimes i like get so anxious and i've been going there for how long and i like get so scared and think like oh what are people thinking about me like they're thinking why you the fuck do i care are what rock thinking? and roll you're a fucking but, badass but bitch the thing is, like i shouldn't even care like i should never care what anybody's thinking because nobody knows what i've experienced except for me all they're seeing is a reflection of a part of themselves so like yeah. anything they think comes just it's through the lens of their perspective which is just them so anything they think anyone 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 <laughs> anything anyone is judging each other for like if you're in judgment of someone maybe sit in that for a bit and think about what brings the judgment from you and what part of yourself you're neglecting or not looking at or you're judging yourself for because I find that it always comes from like something in us. Don't you think? Well, yeah, I remember being like in my early 20s and just like the things I would think about other people. And now that I realize like all of those thoughts that I thought about them are really what I thought about myself. And it's like actually so sad because like some of the things like I actually have old friends that I remember they would say to me, like, how do you even think of such horrible things to say? They would actually say that. And I never ever even thought about it until like now that I've like have like a different awareness of things. And I was like, yeah, well, I mean, I know why you heard it in your home. Because, yeah. Because, because I said really terrible things like, and I was always like, Oh, I have two brothers. I have to learn how to give and take, but like they heard it from, the way people talked in our home. Yeah. Like, I would, like, say the shittiest, like, like, in, like, I, I wouldn't even want to say it out loud. Like, the things I would say about people who was literally so incredibly mean. And your sister probably said those things to you. Oh, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And you said them to her. And... Always. Yeah. But it was just, like, always unkindness. Also, when. Like, I don't even think I even knew how to be kind. It's some kind of validation to put another person down. Yeah. In a way that well, hurts especially... them. Well, especially if that's, like, all you've ever known. Yeah. Like, you don't know how to be kind. You don't know how to give a compliment to people if you've never experienced it in your life. And like, when you start Feelings it, are not acceptable here. Only <laughs> aggression. <laughs> it's literally the boomer way. My dad's favorite line. What are you going to do? Cry every time you're sad? My mom's famous line. You're so dramatic. <laughs> Sorry, mom, if you're listening. <laughs> I mean, like, I've healed through my parts of my childhood, but, like, I'm not going to pretend they didn't happen and pretend it didn't cause me things to struggle through. That would just be dishonest. Well, and that's just, 
the thing, the fact of the matter, like, whether it's, um, like, trauma affects every person, whether it's, like, you're traumatized in a place like this mental institution, or you're traumatized by the place you grew up, your family, your teachers, anybody, really, and, like, that can affect your entire existence and right now I believe we're just like living in a world of traumatized human beings <clears throat> with dysregulated nervous systems who are reacting to what's going on around them and they can't even understand it because they're so dysregulated. Isn't it crazy once you like heal and you feel back connected to yourself, but then you can look around and see that and you know how people feel and you know how hard it is to like notice that you're disconnected. And it's so hard to like, that's how I feel. I struggle watching people that are really disconnected from self. And I just think like, man, when I was that, it's like you're in a the deep end of the pool with like a weight tied to you mm -hmm. and like you don't even know which way's up or something and you don't even know that you're disconnected like just I feels like normal life but it's like this foggy bottom of the pool life where like, you're I'm not really in your life I think about how like all of my friends would joke all the time how I was like the one who knew everything about celebrities and I think back to that time in my life when I was so disconnected like literally drunk every minute I could be like using food as a way to just like binge all the time. Um, like so disconnected from everything. And the things that I found important were just like not even real. Not fulfilling in a real way. Yeah. It's like uh, you're trying to fill this hole in you, but you don't even know what fills it. So you're stuffing it with all this crap that yeah. doesn't fill it and just like fucking sludges it up with garbage, mm -hmm. but it never fills up. <laughs> And <laughs> we're never taught the way to fill it. And then I don't even know like how it like how I went from like being that to like to like seeing these patterns now, like going from thinking like my parents like were oh we're just any old regular dysfunctional family, like that's just truly what I thought my whole life, to like seeing that it was actually like abuse and not normal at all but it's like I can't pinpoint a certain time where it's like this is what made me realize and then like start to like unravel what the fuck was going on I remember when I was like pretty young I had a weird realization because I felt the same like I was like oh yeah everyone's family is kind of messed up but I always felt like I had this like undertone. My mom would tell us that. My mom would be like. <laughs> yeah my mom too. My mom would be like every family is this dysfunctional. And I was like okay well then I guess I won't ask questions to anyone else. Right. <laughs> but I always felt this undertone of like not being worthy in the world. And then but but that was like I didn't think like our family was abnormal. I just thought I was or whatever. <laughs> like something was wrong with me. And then I remember we were learning about like drugs in school in the dare like things that you got home you brought home and they were like indoctrinating us about like marijuana and stuff and then we went camping with my parents and i seen my mom smoking a joint and it all clicked because i they obviously had smoked weed like my whole life they always smoked weed which like obviously i'm totally down with but 
I was a young kid and I just got indoctrinated by the D.A.R.E. program. Yeah. And I see my mom smoking a joint. I was like, oh my God, that's what they've been smoking this whole time. They're on drugs. <laughs> and I was like, so I yelled to her across and I said, hey mom. And she was down there with all her like cool friends. And I was like, what are you smoking? Like right in front of this giant group of all her friends and like a bunch of kids and dads. And, and she was like, nothing. It's nothing. And then I just like something else clicked that day because I was like, she lied right to my face and I know what it is. And then later she tried to tell me it was a cigarette and I knew it wasn't. And then I was like, okay, so parents and adults fucking lie and they'll lie to you. Yeah. Um, My parents do drugs. (laughs) (laughs) What else is going on? It might have cracked me open in that moment. I was like, what? Broke the programming. But it wasn't with marijuana. It was just cigarettes because I, for some reason, I don't know why, like even as a kid, I remember... Just having this, like, knowing, I don't know if it was, like, from what I've seen on TV or heard on, but I feel like at that point they weren't talking about how bad smoking was because they wanted everybody to be doing it. But for, I don't know how I just knew, or maybe I saw it somewhere, but I remember my mom, my mom would always say she's going to quit smoking, she's going to quit smoking, and then I go and try to find a piece of gum or something in her purse and see like cigarette like she wouldn't keep the pack she would just take the single cigarettes and put them in there so I wouldn't see them and like the disappointment that I I, I can still feel it to this day like in my stomach every time finding them there because I was just like I don't know why I just like associated that with like maybe her dying or something or like getting cancer probably more like but then that's how I felt too I'm like and then my parents are it's I'm like, a... so then she's just lying to me yeah. about this and like the whole lying thing and it even comes around this like now it's a so core it's like a core memory of betrayal and i can't it's so triggering for me it's even like the other day i didn't even tell you about this but it was like two days ago i was meditating in my room i was listening to the kids talk <clears throat> getting ready for school and they were being jerks to each other <laughs> but instead of trying to control them i just like sat there and thought to myself well i'll just like let them see if they can just figure this out on their own instead of me yelling out the hallway to them and so i didn't say anything and elliot's like asking if certain colors will match or whatever and charlie's like yeah those colors will match and then she named off like five colors and charlie whispers under her breath she's like no that would look stupid <laughs> And I said, and then after I was done, I was like, you know what? If you don't have anything nice to say, you probably shouldn't say anything at all. And she sat there and literally lied to my face and tried to tell me, just like my mom used to do all the time, that I didn't hear what she said. When people do that to me, I like have a come apart, like emotional breakdown. I lost. (laughs) Because when they're denying your reality, it's like your parent is. And I said that to her. I was like, you're trying to make me, you're trying to tell me that I didn't hear something that I know that I 100% heard. I knew I heard it. And she literally sat there. She's like, I didn't say it. And she went to school. This all happened before school. And she went to school. And I said, you know what? If I can't trust you, I said, you cannot be going out to things like your basketball game tomorrow or sleepovers at your friend's house or doing these kinds of things. And I literally remember dropping her off at school yesterday and I was just like so sad thinking to myself like I'm a shitty mom like my kid's lying and like it made me feel like absolute garbage. 
So then, and then I felt bad for like yelling at her and like getting mad about it. And then today she comes to me and she goes, um, I'm really sorry that I lied. And then she told me and she's like, I'm sorry that I made you feel insane. Cause that was like one of the things I said <laughs> You're making her. me feel insane. I was like, you're trying to make me think that I'm insane. When I know, I said, I know I heard what you said. And so she finally told me and I was like, I know that it's hard sometimes, especially at your age to admit that we've made a mistake. I'm like, but the only way that we learn is by admitting that we made a bad choice and then essentially changing that the next time. So you don't have to lie or like maybe just say kind things that you don't have to lie about saying mean things. And you can look back and take a step back and say, yeah, I made a mistake, but I can do something different next time. Like I don't have to. And I said, I don't want you to feel um, so shameful about lying that you don't even want to admit that you did it. Like admitting that you did it isn't admitting that you're weak. It's admitting that you made a mistake and that you can make a different choice next time, which to me was very profound. Oh, because nothing like that has ever happened with like me as a child. I would just continue lying forever. (laughs) I mean, like honesty wasn't like, obviously like I, I witnessed my, main caregiver um, being dishonest a lot so to me honesty wasn't valuable honestly it wasn't (laughs) and I had to learn that later in life by making mistakes by being dishonest and like having shameful moments from it yeah and isn't it crazy that that sort of like relates to like this like um they the obviously these people and these nurses did horrible things to people and instead of like admitting it they just like have a bonfire with the records and it's just like but no trust us later well like no that's not how you build trust by being dishonest and trying to cover things instead of owning up to your actions and the government too with the residential school right like you aren't your mistake. They do this weird thing where they're like trying to put it on, like they're like it's the church or something, or it was the government from before us. It's Sorry, it's like literally all trauma. Like all people are just reacting because they're traumatized. Like they don't even know how to be how we are supposed to be, which is regulated and not reacting and acting in compassion and love in every aspect and just wanting everybody to be like wanting everybody to feel good and happy and whole. And what does trauma do to the body and nervous system to make people like that? Since you said you were wanting to talk about the nervous system and like the body and how it, Oh, like what does trauma do? So it stops you like in your so as a child they say between the ages of one to seven that's like your most formative years your brain's like in the theta state you know taking in all this stuff and if you had like big traumas which some people will know as like you know you escaped getting murdered or you were raped or, or you've seen something really horrible happen yeah, you've seen graphic. being abused yeah. or Like, those are all big traumas that will likely impact people, but also things like 
not being loved in the way that you needed to be loved. Not having your needs met. Not being, not even feeling like you existed. Like not even feeling like you're ever seen. Not being validated or acknowledged by your caregiver. That is all trauma. And I truly think those traumas are almost impacting the world more significantly than the big traumas are because people are in too much of denial to even realize and know that they were traumatized. And it's just continually building like for a long time, the same trauma daily, daily, daily to like, well, break a person's spirit. Well, yeah. And so then essentially your nervous system gets stuck in this cycle where you can't release the emotion that's attached to the specific event that you experienced. And then you get stuck repeating these patterns and reacting to things and feelings because they're never let your body's never let them be fully expressed. It's a feeling from something else that you haven't dealt with, but you're just putting it on everything else. There's so many ways to, regulate your nervous system. I mean, I'm not a professional. I'm just starting to learn about all that stuff now, but like so many things that you can be doing that are so much more beneficial than popping an Ativan every time you're sad <laughs> or every time or like, you have any I mean, feeling. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people are medicated and like nothing against everyone. Everyone's just doing their best with the information they have, but like there is a way to like treat the root, not just the symptom. It just takes a lot of honest work. So yeah, I do. I think we both agree that like healing is the true work. I sort of think that's like what we're meant to do here. Like the root of everything is to like heal and come back to ourselves. Cause like everything kind of pushes us in that direction. If we just are going with the flow of life where we're and like collectively we're kind of healing our history as we dig out these little bits like me and you today dug out and put together so much information about the sanatorium and like feel like it's connected to so much things and like we're each collectively rebuilding our history I kind of find and with like the reset and Tartaria stuff and so like we're healing our history we're healing our emotional body and like hopefully healing like our wounds of the past and our generational trauma. And I think that's kind of like what the awakening is. Yeah. But yeah, before we finish up, I kind of wanted to like just talk about some weirdness with you while you're here. Cause I got these questions. I always like to ask people to find the weird places we've been and the things we've seen. And I know that you, your dad was in the Canadian army and then you lived where all did you live when you were growing up like you don't have to like name each base but like what countries did you live in and where where do you live in canada the other country we lived in was germany cool when how old were you when you lived in germany um i was in grade one two and three so six seven yeah so yeah oh pretty young yeah. Um, I remember you like sent me a few castles that you went to see when you were there. Did you like ever go anywhere really weird in Germany? I know they have some like pretty cool places and historical I, places. I used to have like a, a whole book full of postcards of like everywhere we went when we were there. <sighs> and I went through a bunch of stuff in my basement. I'm pretty sure I threw it out, but next like, I would have known the name of all the castles we went to, but we went to. Damn. Like, we would go on, like, overnight trips to castles there, but, like, I wish I could say it, like, 
seen a ghost or <laughs> I wish <laughs> like something, but I'm sure you've seen a lot of creepy old places. I just wish I could be there now. Like, with fresh eyes. Yeah. I know I think about that all the time because I'm just like be going around Europe and stuff and just before I knew about mud like flood and everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like because we went we went to like all the places around Germany. So like we went to Switzerland and France and Belgium. Belgium. Holland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, did you go to like Eastern Europe? Actually, anywhere? We went to Denmark. Cool. My mom went to Prague at one point. Cool. I was going to go to Prague. My uncle went to Belgium and he got us a piece, or no, the Berlin Wall. He got us a piece of the Berlin Wall. Oh, yeah. I don't know where I put that, though. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I haven't seen you anything. You so much cool. treasures to, you like, just throw cool away. Places. <laughs> Um, didn't you say you like went to some like the what's it called the eagle's nest? Oh yeah. What is that? So that's like where Hitler, I guess, was like command center or something, guess, was it? Yeah. I and think. where was it? Like in Berlin, or was it out of the city? I can't remember, but all I remember, like, have actually pictures at home of me and my sister there. And like, there's like this huge cross on top of this gigantic mountain, like the peak of the mountain. That's like this massive cross. And I just remember going up. I think we went in like either. Is like, it like so an underground stairs. base or something, or is it like a no? It's fort. like watch. Okay. I'm Google it up here and show you pictures. It's like actually, I remember going in like, um, like how many stairs? Like this. I remember walking up there. Oh, yeah. It's like partway. It's like a fortress. Yeah, we went into this little house castle here. fortress thing up there on the mountain. Yeah, like it's real. I'm probably just real weird butchering looking. history by saying this. but Yeah, it is. Did you go inside it? And did they keep it like Nazi memorabilia? Was it like a museum for like... I guess I did. we went to the concentration camps too while we were oh, there. Oh, you did? Like my parents didn't let us go inside. We oh, just had yeah. to wait. But I remember it. I don't remember which one it was, but it was like I remember it was a white building, and it was just like all you could see was like white crosses for like as far as the eye could see. It was such a creepy. Like I remember that. I remember us like running around, and I'm like now thinking back, like I was running around all the yeah. And just not to even know the impact of that place yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I sort of think, like, I'm not really sure. I have some theories about World War II and about the Rockefellers' <laughs> involvement and invested interest and experimenta medical experimentation for its petrochemicals and pharmaceuticals yeah it's just like take all the wealthy people demonize them put them into camps and then test all your stuff on them make people hate them then you can control everything you got control of the banks you're testing out all your gear you got the new world going. It's funny because people are scared of the new, new world order. Like in my mind, that was like 
began in the 1700s. <laughs> like we're living it. This is the new world order. We live in the new world order. They changed our entire perspective of what we are on this planet, who we are. They disconnected us from our natural state of being a long time ago. They have us programmed to think that life is a certain way and it will always be that way. And people are a certain way and will always be that way. And it's just their programming. This is the new world order. I think they're losing grip of it now. People are waking up to it and like the historical lies. Yeah, I just don't think anything's real anymore after. <clears throat> I mean, I believe all these people died. Yeah. I just don't believe it's ever for the reasons we're told. Yeah, I agree. And like if you follow the clues and like step back, you can kind of piece things together. I mean, at least theorizing, like I'm not an expert on any of these subjects, but zooming out is pretty important. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah, so Germany was probably a pretty interesting historical place, honestly, when yeah, I went across. I just wish I could honestly go there. Like, even thinking now about, like, walking to the bus stop, the buildings, like how different they look compared to here, like. Yeah. Yeah. What else do we do? Europe's a magical place. I didn't visit Germany, but uh, I mean, Europe's pretty crazy old world shit everywhere. Yeah, we'd go like along the Rhine River and you could see like the, I guess where like the soldiers would have been Hiding like with their guns. Oh, yeah. You'd see like Crazy. those old. And we'd like walk along the Rhine River all the time when we were there. That's crazy. You know what's like a really eerie place I went? It was the Vatican. You know what's weird at the Vatican? Okay. I'll just tell a quick story. Quick story time. So we had got like super drunk the night before. And then the lady that owned our hostel it was just me and my friend that I was traveling with Roxanne the lady that owned the hostel which was just like some room in some Roman house this crazy old lady that didn't speak English she kicked us out because she said she had to clean the room and I was like so fucking hungover I remember we walked down to the Coliseum I fucking threw up all over the grass I like laid there on the sidewalk sweating for a few hours and I felt a bit better we ate pizza and then Roxanne was like I'm gonna go sleep and I was like I really want to see the Vatican. It looks really close on this map. I'm going for it. You can go back. So she walked back and then I started walking around along the river just because I was looking at my map, even though that's not even the main way to go. And there was like no other people. And I was starting to get like a little creep out because I was walking for forever. And then I like, I got to the, I got to the Vatican and I went, I just walked in. And then I remember I like walked over to the holy water. I didn't know what to do. I'm not Catholic. I've never I didn't know what to do. I just watched what everyone else did. Get my little fingers in and like, I, I was just trying to fit in. I was just like taking in the sights. But as soon as I did that thing with the holy water, I burst into tears. Out of nowhere. I couldn't stop crying or, and I could barely breathe. So you're going to say burst into flames. And, then, and I was standing there just like bawling. And then I looked up at this window. I remember there was like a stained glass window and light was like streaming in. I bet you have a picture of it too because I took a picture and I heard someone say Kaylin in my ear and I fucking turned my head and no one was there and I got really creeped out and I went outside. <laughs> so 
And I, I think actually, I keep trying to think like what that stained glass window, it was so eerie how like the light was streaming in this, like perfectly only on that one and straight in. And I think it was like Mary and Jesus and Jesus was like a young man, but I don't remember. And like, I tried to go look at like the stained pictures of the stained glass and they're just trying to figure it out. I have to go find my Europe pictures, but it was a super weird thing that happened it was already like pretty weird and i was like this is weird and i was like no it's not just calm down and then i was like kaylin heard that in my ear right when i was like no nothing's happening oh it was so weird <laughs> and that place i have a picture of the pope because like the next the next day we went back there and the pope was speaking and we didn't know that you had to buy like tickets years in advance we just walked in when the guy wasn't looking we didn't know you needed a ticket Tickets years in advance. We went to a town from this beside this lady from like Alabama, and she said, "How'd you guys get your tickets?" And we're like, "What?" And they're like, "Oh, these orange things everyone has." I was like, "No one asked us for that." And she was like, "Oh my god, you guys, nice work!" And so we're like sitting there, and the whole thing is in Latin, and it's super creepy. And then he drove around in his Pope mobile, and it was the Pope before this one. And man, he was so. I have a picture of him, and I zoomed in and cropped it, and he looks so fucking scary like the fucking devil in this photo that i took of him he looks so scary and creepy and he's like staring right at the camera somehow and he was so far away it's the creepiest fucking picture ever (laughs) and i didn't even know all this conspiracy stuff really about i thought the catholic church were like a bit of kid touchers that's all i knew that that just made me think of when like brett graduated from university and he graduated from engineering and so he had to go to this like iron ring ceremony did i ever tell you about this i remember he said something weird and i i I all i got from was there's like an engineering club that's like a secret club well i don't even know and even to this day now i haven't really looked into it i should now that i'm iron ring club so it's just like but he had like so all engineers have these rank get these rings that they have to go to this like iron ring ceremony and they like it was like chains on the ground, shaking them. A ritual? Yes. What? Yeah. And the thing was, you what? you could not, you could only bring one person unless your family was engineers and had a ring. It's like a secret society. So I was there. I got to go. It was f- so weird. Huh. You know what? My old boss, he belonged to the Masons in town. And he was like a funeral home director. I guess that's like a nice way to say he was a mortician, I guess. Or maybe that's a way that people understand it more. He did like embalming and stuff. Funeral home director. And then he was like my boss at this like certain oil field company in town where I was doing administration. So I thought it was pretty weird. And then he told me he was a Mason and I'm like, Oh yeah. And he's like, it's not weird there. I'm like, okay. But then he would like tell me little things all the time that I thought were super weird. And he also said to me one time he has to renew his funeral home license every time it ex- and never let it expire because the Masons want him to keep it. I'm like, who? Who are they? Why? And he's like, I don't know. They just tell me I have to keep it to be in. I was like, that's in our town. We live in a very small town in like a northern community in Canada. Wow. Is that weird? That's weird, eh? Are you going to tell me what 
Yeah, maybe after, not right now. <laughs> I just really, I like the guy. He's a super nice guy and he was a good boss. I didn't want to like out him. But guess who else was in the club? Guess who else was in the club? Our provincial MP or whatever. PM, MP. What is he? You know. It's DD, but I don't want to say it on here. Anyways, our local representative in our provincial government was also part of the Masons. That's what my boss told me. And then he also told me that's why he votes for him. And I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Don't vote for him because of that. <laughs> I guess they probably have to. Maybe they decide who they, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? But then he kept saying, it's not weird. It's not weird, man. I'm like, yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> okay, what's this about the. Oh, no, I'm just saying it dates back to 1922. The Iron Ring ceremony yeah. for engineers? Yeah. Huh. When the seven past presidents of the Engineering Institution of Canada attended a meeting in Montreal. Huh. Rudyard Kipling? Why do He's I amazing. Why do I recognize He wrote the Jungle Book. Name? He wrote the fucking Jungle Book. Rudyard Kipling responded to a call from the seven engineers with the ritual of the calling of an engineer to be administered by a corporation of the seven Oh my God, I'm going to look into this ritual. I bet you it's a Mason ritual. We went and I Rudyard Kipling's a Freemason. Rudyard Kipling's a Freemason. And what? I wonder if there's any videos of it. I doubt it. Wow, that's actually kind of cool. I think we were allowed to actually videotape or take so, pictures in there, to be quite honest. I wonder if Americans, can you look it up if Americans have a ring ceremony too? Because that was like about I think Canada. All engineers do iron ring ceremony. America. USA. Yeah. Sorry, guys, for the dead air. <laughs> oh, that's really strange. And like to have a ritual. Yeah, it was fucking weird. Even Brett says that now when I like asked him about it the other day. Do you think it was weird when you were like shaking around that like chain on the ground, like step on? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. So, what did he have to do? Shake it and stuff? Yeah. What? Okay, tell us about it. Can you just tell us a bit I, like, about it? I can't really remember much about it, but I remember like going in and then like they all the lineups. There was like, did they have robes on? Yeah. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure. Definitely, yeah, I think he did. And there was like all these lines, like, like probably like six lines, and they're like so long. And then they just stand on one side of the chain, and then after they had to go and they like shook the chain, I think, and then they go and then stand on to the other side of it. What? And then they go up and get the ring. And where was it at? So it was at, it was downtown in Edmonton. So it wasn't at the school? No, it was because it was like, it was, there were so many people there. Really? Well, I guess not that many because everybody was only allowed to bring one person unless you have like engineering family. Huh. I want to say was it was at? at the Shaw Conference Center. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Was there any, I wonder, uh, we'll just have to look into it, but. Now that we know about rituals yeah. and things, hey? Oh, do you know what's really crazy about Tranquil? It. There's there's one of the hospitals has like a weird, has like these weird symbols all over it. 
that's been there since the beginning and people like make videos about it and be like, no one knows what these mean. Did you get any pictures? Yeah, so I took some photos of it. Yeah, it's what just like these weird, it's these weird shapes. It looks sort of like it's writing. It's almost like it's um Braille, but really big all up the side of a building. It's like a code for something. I don't know. But anyways, that place is fucking weird and the tunnels are weird and the history doesn't make sense and the records have been erased and apparently people are lucky to have survived it, but no one will tell. The Canadian government actually issued an official apology to the people who stayed at Tranquil. And as of now, there's no, as of like current day, there's no official report of anything bad that did happen there. So they issued an apology for something that no one asked for. There's the symbols. It's like weird, boxy hieroglyphs. See what I mean? Yeah. What did you Google so people can find it? Mm, so tranquil or tranquil. So it's spelled T-R-A-N-Q-U-I-L-L-E. It's like the French spelling for calm, tranquil. Yeah. Yeah, weird. It's the weirdest thing. And it's all like, it's across the top and it also goes all down one side. And you can see it from the road, the tranquil road. Yeah. That was another thing I thought was like anomalous. And there's also photographs in there and there's like, I it's probably from the doctor's houses and stuff, but there's some pretty fancy stuff in the interior architecture. Like all the windows are boarded up. Yeah, because people like break in there and party because the tunnels. I guess they've been doing that since the 80s, since the mental institution closed. But yeah, maybe we should wrap this up since we're going on two hours and we could probably just sit here talking about everything forever. But um, yeah, maybe before we go, I'll just ask you one last question. Um, what do you think is our purpose here? Do you think, like, if we don't have a purpose, you can say that too. But what do you think, like, is humanity's purpose to be on this planet right now or at all? I don't, like, I just feel like I have so many questions at the point that I'm at right now. Like, I feel like I'm starting to understand. Not quite there yet to like, know. what? what has happened then I then I think that and then I'm like oh I know actually know nothing like the next day but I just feel like we're meant to like find what we're passionate about and then use that as a way to like live our life doing what we love like and then when we do that we're in a we vibrate at such like a higher frequency that that's how we like heal the collective which I think is essentially like once we do that then we just won't be living in these like cycles of like, abuse shame and abuse and trauma and all these like low vibration energies that right now humanity is in an abusive relationship with low vibrational bullshit yeah and we're being gaslit to fuck and telling us it's for the greater good 
The fact we're that all in this all, together. You're doing right. a better thing. It's like you just need to know. Like I feel like most people just don't even know what their core values are, like what they stand for. Like you need to figure that out so that you can like some of them make some you'll need to change. <laughs> Will be helpful. I mean, like we do have like these core values that we don't even know we have that are like negative too that we're holding, yeah. and we have to like address them, figure out what they are, so we can clear away things that don't serve us, that stories we're telling ourselves that don't serve us, because then we can find our core values because we're not telling ourselves these stories or playing out this abandonment thing or you know what I mean. Like I had a like story I was telling myself that there was something wrong with me and that I was damaged and that I had to like pretend to be this certain way or people would see who I really was and they would like abandon me. And it took a lot of work to figure out that I was thinking that like as a base value for my life for the majority of my life. But once I could see it. But I think like lots of people just are like that and don't even realize it. I didn't know. know You don't know what you don't know. And I mean, I'm not even saying that I know everything now because I don't. Like, every no. day. I like the thing I love is just like, I'm like the book I'm reading now. I'm like, oh, I'm just learning so much, reading about somatic experiencing, which I have been like kind of resistant to, but I feel like there was a reason why because I wasn't supposed to learn about it until right now. You're right. Ready. Now is the time that I needed it more, and I need, and I wouldn't have understood it until now and so I just like when people are just like fucking reading books that are like bullshit fucking fiction I'm like when you can literally be reading all these cool books about creating the fucking most amazing life you could ever even dream of simple things like just breath like that book that I just read breath like it was just like talking about how we don't even breathe properly and how that's affecting our health and like mm-hmm. how the food we eat so soft now the muscles in our face and jaw aren't as strong so our teeth and our facial structures are like caving in causing us to have breathing obstructions which essentially destroys your health because if you're not breathing properly like you aren't like you're functioning yeah like you're functioning properly. it's like if the exhaust system on your car is like backed up or leaking into the cab like your car is not working properly you're not gonna feel good in it it's not gonna so then I, but then i read one book and then it's like what else can i read now so i'm like how do people not want to know all this stuff and like then when i try to talk to people about it and they just like look at me like i'm insane i'm like okay you're not the one for me <laughs> that's the thing because you're in like this place of expansion so you're like you're like open to the mysteries of the universe and habitually trying to learn more because you realize how little you do know instead of thinking you know everything Mm -hmm. so it makes you open to like all the mysteries of the world when you actually admit that you don't know shit about shit yeah (laughs) if the last two years have proved anything it's that we didn't know fuck shit about nothing (laughs) go to university do this and like only listen to people that are educated like i don't know how about you just like listen to what your body is telling you fuck a rockefeller medical model fucking telling me what to yeah yeah anyway we could get deeper we could get deeper but let's just cut it (laughs) short there i think that was like such a great talk and i like how we transition from like tranquil sanatorium to like trauma on people sick people trauma on indigenous people to trauma at home 
like in our lives, macro, micro, and how like, you know, there's ways to heal all this stuff. We just have to be open to it and open to learning and open to like realizing that we don't know as much as we thought we knew. We just been told that. Even the stuff that we researched today, who even knows that's fucking It could real. all like, be shit. I was thinking yeah. that too. I'm like, everything we researched and all the clues we and put I, together to to like build this picture of Tranquil yeah. could be complete bullshit. And I always think that even when I listen to like any other podcast, like listening to Sam Triple when they talk about stuff, and I'm like, yeah, but we're so convinced it's this way. Maybe that's not the case either. Maybe it's something else. Like I'm always. It's like, good to play devil's advocate because that's hot because you don't box yourself in. I don't want to get set in my way. You can be like, yeah, that does sound right, but you know, I don't want to like attach myself too firmly to that idea and get too attached to it because there's like all these possibilities in the universe. I feel like for so long I was just like set in my ways and I'm like never. I don't want to be like that. Now you're just like expansion. Well, now I'm like. I just don't believe you. Yeah. Anyone. But I'm also You're like, like gut check. But I feel like I've always been like that yeah. since I was a kid. Like I've been a person that I don't believe things unless I've seen them. And it's and somebody can maybe tell me now it's okay and if to I didn't see it, I'm like, yeah. I don't believe it. And maybe now it's just okay to like admit it to yourself. Like it's okay not to believe all these people we're supposed to believe. We're told to believe it's okay not like, to think your parent, the sun rises and sets on them and think they're always telling you the truth when they're not. And like people are like, oh, I think they could just be lying on such a great scale. They can't be lying scale. about everything. But then. How many people would have to be in on it? Look at Santa Claus. How long did you think that? Fucker There's people I know it. that are in on it that think they're doing good. You oh, know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> Sam Triple even talked about that in his podcast. Like, everyone's in on it. My parents literally watch The View and they're in on it. Like they believe it. So they're in on it. Just like, like everyone's in on it because when people say that, I'm like, you're in on it. <laughs> like, did you see that Snapchat? I sent you today? We got to cut this in. <laughs> Let's say goodbye to them and then we'll talk about Snapchat. Um, anyway, do you want people to like find you on Instagram? Oh, yeah, let's say that. Yeah, that's a juicy one. Do you want? Well, whatever. If they want to chat with you about like healing or whatever, um, I'll just put her tag for her Instagram in the show notes. Um, yeah, so thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to us. Hopefully you learned something. I mean, the history is wild, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it encourage you to look into like the old buildings in your town and the things going on in the history that just people don't look at. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for listening. Oh,